The Women of Color STEM Conference presents Organizational Politics from Mars, Developing Power and Influence from a Man's Perspective, a professional development seminar. Featuring Engineering Program Manager for NetApp, Regina Evans, Jim Campione of Aerotech, Financial Advisor for Edward Jones Investments, David Jones, and Senior Field Leader for Consumers Energy, Alcus Smith. Do you know why women are not sitting at the leadership tables in your organization? Have you ever thought that, if given the opportunity, you could help make your organization better? Many professional women have reported feeling left out of key positions or impacted by the politics that lessen their contributions. At the same time, several top women executives who continue to excel say you must learn to understand, rise above, and effectively use politics to get things done. In her book, Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead, COO of Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, encourages women to promote themselves in order to achieve professional advancement. This session is part one of a two-part series that will help women to address the best methods of navigating organizational politics from the all-male panel's perspective. Without further ado, the Women of Color STEM Conference presents Organizational Politics from Mars, Developing Power and Influence from a Man's Perspective, a professional development seminar featuring Regina Evans, Jim Campione, David Jones, and Alcus Smith. Can you hear me better now? Thank you. <laughs> so I have a few housekeeping things. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what you're going to learn today. Identify how men and men view organizational politics. Learn the skills and traits used by male employees to be successful in organizational politics and explore some possible challenges and opportunities in various industries. Along the lines of housekeeping, um, I want to make sure that you know that you um, need to scan your badge when you come in so you can get credit in case you want to take advantage of those PDUs offered by Morgan State University. Uh, surveys will be distributed for this session, so please take the time to give us some feedback and let us know what we can do better or what we did well. The power slides will be posted after the conference. Um, you'll be able to get a, a hold of those at www.slideshare.net slash ccgmeg. Um, when you want to ask a question, we ask that you come up to the microphone so that we can hear you and the rest of us can hear you as well. Also, your social media. Remember to stay in touch with women of color during the conference. Um, download the WOC app if you haven't already. It's already Saturday, so I hope you already have that. And um, we will begin. So I am your moderator, Regina Evans um, from NetApp. Our first panelist I'd like to introduce to you is Jim Campioni. <laughs> he is um, an executive director of strategic delivery solutions at, at uh, Aerotech, Inc. He's been there since 1997, and during his tenure with Aerotech, he has been recognized for several awards for his outstanding performance and his commitment. He also served as a member on the executive advisory board and Diversity and Inclusion Board. Jim is a graduate of AMAA, where he received a bachelor's degree in business. Welcome, Jim. Happy in. <laughs> Next, we have Mr. David Jones. David Jones is a wealth advisor for Edward Jones Investments. He has um, served on Ball State's Bl Black Alumni Constituent Society Board. He's volunteering in his community at Turn Turnstone, the Uni United Way, Voices of Unity, a local high school, or, and he also speaks at different events around the country. David believes a major part of life and happiness is give in God, family, and service. Let's welcome David Jones with us today. 
Next we have Mr. Alcus Smith. Mr. Smith is a senior field leader at Consumer, Consumers Energy. He's responsible for the Kalamazoo, Greenville, and Hastings gas distribution departments in Southwest Michigan. He is on the steering committee for the Minority Advisory Panel in which that is one of the several employee resource groups that the company has available for all of its employees and he serves as an outreach coordinator. He also serves in the community as an activist and loves to give back as much as he can. There's a quote that he loves to share with everyone and that is, you're the one that can make a difference right where you are. Let's welcome Mr. Alter Smith. So ladies, we have over 50 years of corporate experience that's gonna to speak to us today. So I hope we will all take it in and we will form your questions and we will get on with being able to have a successful opportunity to engage with one another. So my first question is going to be to you gentlemen, is what are some of the personal experiences that have influence your thinking about around gender and technology that has motivated you to get involved and be an advocate for change? I'll start off. Uh, good morning to everyone and thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Uh, for me uh, personally, I just like to take the opportunity to partner with the women that are in my department and even other departments for that matter just to make sure that they are aware of a certain skill set, uh, you know, that uh, may be within the department itself and just go beyond, you know, just to make sure that women are being educated and just aware of what's going on in the workplace. Uh, for me, it's just more partnership. Good morning. Uh, I think for me, uh, if, I, if I think about the question, what has influenced me the most is um, I think about the strength of my mother. Um, I think about uh, growing up in a house with two sisters that um, we joke today as older siblings. One is the CEO, one is the president, and one is the uh, employee. I think you can guess which one I am. <laughs> um, and I think when I think about the past, uh, the way that I've been impacted by pe people from different backgrounds and different upbringings and just the value and the impact they've had on me personally. Um, I think today, if I oversimplify what drives me, motivates me, and has pushed me into this spot today is, um, one, the type of father I want to be, and when I think about my daughter specifically, uh, A, what kind of difference I can make, but what can I teach Sophia as she continues to move forward? Hello, everyone. Thank you for, um, for having us here and definitely sharing our perspectives um, with you. Um, for me... Um, throughout my life, I've been exposing myself to a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, executives in their field. Um, and throughout that process, especially when you're sitting down with women, events like we are at today, where you're exposing yourself to successful individuals, um, passion for me is exposing the younger generation to those individuals and expressing to them uh, the future that, uh, that lays ahead of them, the possibilities and encouraging them, um, you know, with with individuals that we know, the successes they know, and just mostly just encouraging them um, with that process. So as I'm in the community giving back, um, helping educate, helping inspire individuals, um, a big passion of mine is hopefully exposing them to the successful individuals in STEM, in science and technology and engineering, engineering and mathematics, um, and hopefully uh, creating a path for them to have a better future uh, than I did, I guess. Excellent. So if I, I'm hearing you, I, I heard partnering I heard rep representing, you know, being examples and learning from the women that have been in your life and from giving back to the community and exposing them to the STEM opportunities that are out there from David. So that is excellent um, feedback for us to take and to apply to our own lives. So when I think about that, I go to, um, I think about the, uh, various things that are going on in our society. And so in 2017, Francis Gino wrote an article in Science American entitled, Another Reason Why Top Managers Are Disproportionately White Men. And in the article, they stated that only 19 Fortune 500 firms are led by people of color 
And only 21 of these companies are led by women, according to the recent data. And when they examined the data, they found it's women and non-whites themselves who often impede the advancement of their own peers. So when we think about this, when we think about being an advocate, what specific advice would you give women that you would not necessarily give to men in STEM? Well, <laughs> I think that um, with, with an attempt to try and keep it very concise with some depth, the first thing that I think of is one of the most recent conversations I've had in terms of advice is there was an article written um, recently that one of my partners sent to me and it talked about um, the, the kind of the career limiting thought process that runs through women sometimes in terms of this perception that before um, people lean into a executive role or a leadership role or the next opportunity, there's this limiting thought process that you have to be perfect or that you have to be completely qualified. And then there's this awareness that from a male perspective or even more specifically a white male perspective as the article was written is that there's this perception of, well, it doesn't matter if I'm qualified or not, that's what I want, so I'm going for it. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, the first piece of advice I would give anyone is whatever the voice is in your head, if it's detracting you or holding you back, that's the first challenge. I think, um one of the steps is something that we're doing today and bringing it to the forefront, um, having a dialogue about the actual topic and the subject, um, and then encouraging um, colleagues, um, children, youth, women, um, encouraging them of their possibilities, instilling in them, um, you know, how they got to where they are, instilling them there's nothing different in them than the next individual, um, but just exposing them to other individuals um, who, are, who have seen success in their careers and, um, you know, Laying out that, laying out that pathway um, for them and exposing them to that um, pathway, it's a, it's a very tough uh, subject I, I believe, um, in talking about this. But I think the main step is bringing it to the forefront and having that conversation. Because if you never have the conversation, most things aren't going to get done. Um, so, for me, it's mostly dialogue um, with not only yourself, your colleagues, and believing in yourself, um, but also you know, acting. Uh, for me, a couple things uh, kind of stand out. Uh, number one is stop sitting back and acting as if your voice doesn't matter. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times we can witness and see those things around us and become intimidated by that. So you have to be that voice in the room. You have to be the one that say, you know what, I am that one. Mm -hmm. uh, the second piece to add on to that is pretty much just investing in yourself. You pretty much may have to take some additional classes or whatever the case may be, but really tapping into yourself and knowing your worth, knowing your value, I really believe that would make you stand out as well. Excellent. So I think the key takeaways that I heard was that Jim shared with us that you have got to speak up for what you want, right? Speak up for what we want. And then we have to actually act on the things that we want to be able to do and we want to invest in ourselves so that we can move ourselves forward and be aware of the things that are available to us and not be shy about that so that's excellent also just understanding your your worth um a lot of times we don't want to act on something because we're either afraid of you know, someone else's opinion mm -hmm. but when there's more dialogue um within a community of folks then you can bring more things to the forefront um, and have more courage in doing so Easier said than done, I completely uh, understand that, um, especially for women of color, or just women in general. Um, but as long as you believe in yourself, right, that's the first step. Um, and then talking about it within your, um, within your colleagues and your circle, um, hopefully that will move, move the needle. Excellent, thank you, gentlemen. So another article that was published was in the Harvard Business Review. It was posted in August 7th, 2019 entitled what men can do to be better mentors and sponsors to women It noted that advocating for women's advancement at work is integral for improving financial results gender balance and diversity in our workplaces and our leadership teams and yet recent research from the Center 
for talent innovation reported that a full 71% of executives have proteges whose gender and race match their own. So we know that the majority of our senior executives are male and white and that minority women therefore do not get the sponsorship opportunities that their male counterparts often do. So with that, I have another question for our, our panelists. What programs and policies have you experienced that have made a difference for you or would have made a difference if implemented when we think about that Harvard Business Review article? For me, in my personal experience, um, what has helped me out the most in exposing me to, to higher growth in my career is community service and giving back, working on committees. Um, if you are in an organization and they have special committees, et cetera, getting involved within those committees, um, and then you're, by doing so, you're exposing yourself to more decision makers, more directors within the organization, and you're able to express to them based off of how you interact with them that, man, you are as smart or, or probably more smart if that's good English um, than the individuals that are actually making these decisions. Um, by a raise of hands, who, are, who in here are, are engineers or work for like Northrop Grumman Boeing or so? Um, or work for the government? All right, so you guys understand how slow and how inept that those processes are within those organizations. Um, and you can obviously, at least you believe, that you can do better than what's going on. So by putting yourself into those environments and exposing those individuals, I'm telling you, a lot of folks, they either don't know what they don't know, mostly because they haven't exposed themselves to another, um, to, to people outside their own little bubble. So if you can poke that bubble and get inside of it and then in, in, um, in infect it from within by volunteering, exposing yourself on committees, doing more work, um, from my perspective, that is what's helped my career because now I'm sitting on great committees, development committees, et cetera, and I'm exposing myself to individuals, key decision makers within my community, and I believe you can do the exact same within your organization. Um, it's mostly about exposure. A lot of these folks are, I don't know, I don't want to talk about age, but a lot of these people are very, very old, stuck in their ways. Um, they don't like change, and they don't want to um, expose themselves to other things outside um, that what they've been doing for the last 40, 30 years. So if you can force yourself into that bubble, force yourself into those decisions, um, that, that will expose them to, hey, so-and-so, you know, really had a good perspective on this this problem, this process, and it really helped drive revenue, drive earnings, or drive, you know, results. And let's get them more involved on this process. Um, and also, there's a lot of folks individually that are very successful in their career, in their business, but they don't really reach back to the, to the younger person um, within the organization and help mentor them and guide them along the way. Um, so mentorship and community service or more community service within your organization um, is, is my perspective on that question. Excellent, David. Thank yeah, you. Just pretty much um, almost echoing what David stated um, and just adding just a couple of things as well with the employee resource groups that you may have within your organization and then also just the advocacy groups that you may have as well because I'm quite sure at some point in time all of us may encounter uh, some unfair treatment but however, you should tap into those groups uh, because they can go to bat for you. Uh, because if you ever felt that you were overlooked for any type of promotion or whatever it is, I just truly believe, you know, within these groups, you know, that we have available unto us, we really should be looking at that avenue uh, because I really, at the end of the day, it's all about, as David was stating, you just really just invest in yourself at the end of the day because you have to put forth that effort. Nobody's going to come and just hand it to you. You have to make yourself available. You have to put yourself out there and start putting a name, uh, getting a name out there for yourself as well. Good, good advice. So I heard, you know, getting involved and, and becoming um, visible through volunteering for various things that may be going on at your, at your company. And so those are great things that we need to think about. And so it takes me into um, other food for thought that I have is just in 2018, Sylvia Ann Hewitt wrote an article for Inc. entitled, Why More Black Voices Need to Be Heard in Corporate America. In the article, she mentioned that it's not just top dog position that eludes black executives, but leadership positions in general. 
multicultural professionals. This includes Hispanic and Asian individuals in addition to black individuals collectively hold only 14% of senior executive and manager positions in corporate America. So with that thought process, I have this next question for our panelists. When you think of stereotypes and biases in the workplace, how do you think male allies can help dispel these biases and help women deal with them? Well, I think from recent experience, one of the things that continues to be repeated in some of my learning and experience is that the first opportunity from a male ally is to create an environment where it fosters curiosity. And I think that um, one of the, the sayings that I've heard is that as you discover what bias exists within yourself and as you discover what bias may exist with the people that you're either working with and or talking to, um, the concept that has landed with me is it's been referred to as you got to unwrap it. And I think that um, creating some level of comfort and safety around a very, for me, around a subject that is, doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always necessarily feel as though it's authentic because quite frankly, it's just that on many occasions, it's a blind spot. And so I think, again, for me, the, the most the most responsible thing I can do as a male ally is to encourage my partners into create an environment where the conversation is safe and where it really can be uh, a beginning point for some people or a continuation to just continue to have self-discovery and learn about what you may or may not know at that particular point in time. And more times than not, um, ignorance is the one thing that will hold us back. So we've got to continue to have that conversation. We've got to continue to get uncomfortable. Um, and I, I think for me personally, it's continuing to not just challenge myself, but challenge those around me, again, with the same kind of approach. Getting curious about where people are at, getting curious about why or why not, and just learning about the individual. I think men, and some, some women too, because um, women can be um, very biased against their own um, colleagues as well. Um, it's just humbling yourself um, in that environment. Um, you know, th that's my, my main takeaway is most people um, who have biases don't want to humble themselves to know that look, I don't know all the answers. I don't know everything about everything. And humbling yourself to exposing um, yourself to those uh, certain certain situ uh, situations, um, that's my really takeaway is just humbling yourself. Because a lot of people who aren't humble, egotistic, uh, they're not willing to grow and expand their thought process. Um, so that's why I usually encourage other men to in this industry is to uh, humble yourself uh, and also be able to encourage and uplift um, other individuals um, along the way. And just to add on to what these uh, distinguished gentlemen are saying, <laughs> I think men have to be more of a voice for women. We have to advocate more for women, um, just understanding that we, we all came from one and how precious and valuable they are. And just truly just putting our women out there, um, just knowing that they are overlooked in a lot of instances, uh, but just really being a support system for them, uh, whether it's bringing them onto their staff, exposing them to you know your male counterparts, but I believe just really, really being a voice and a champion for women. Yeah, those are answers, excellent answers, gentlemen. Um, I have a follow-up question to that. Is there any advice you give to us if we're in a situation, maybe we're in the meeting, and we're trying to get a point across, and we get cut off? Any thoughts on, you know, how to best handle that type of scenario where, you know, you can't quite get your thought out because the men in the room are basically taking over? I, I would say get up and go over it. No. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> In all honesty, I, I'm one where I truly believe that we have to be honest with each other. So if it just takes for you to go to that individual afterwards and have a candid conversation with them and just let them know how rude they were. Once again, you have to get out of that comfort zone because once again, it becomes uncomfortable, especially if you see somebody in position 
you may not want to challenge something or disagree even with what they're saying. But I believe it can be handled more on a one-on-one -on -one basis instead of trying to retaliate in public. That's mostly going to be that's mostly going to be on the actual man or that individual um, within that dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned before, um, a lot of folks, um, you know, they're really you can see, you know, they're, uh, they're self-centered most of the times, especially in those environments where they think they know all. And um, there's not that much training um, for those individuals, those executives, those direct those directors um, of how to handle themselves. Mm -hmm. Most of them have gotten to where they are by being a bully or being alpha in their certain uh, in their certain past. Um, so, um, the, to answer that, I would just say we need to expose those individuals, those boards, those committees to be more um, more conferences, I guess. Okay. Um, that teaches them how to handle those situations, so that when a woman or someone does approach them and expresses to them, look, this is what happened. This is how you handle it. This is how it, it impacted me in my in my state at that point in time. That person who's went through this training and exposed themselves um, now are able to receive that um, in a more um, efficient way. Okay. Thank you for letting me say that. Hopefully that makes sense. So that kind of leads me into my next piece of thought for the rest of us. In January of 2019, Elizabeth Olsen wrote an article in the New York Times entitled Slow Gains for Women and Minorities on Boards of Big U.S. Firms. The study says, the study conducted by the Alliance for Board Diversity, which advocates for broader demographic inclusion in boardrooms and the professional services firm Deloitte, shows the women and minorities occupied only 38.6% of the board seats of the Fortune 100 companies last year, compared with 35.9% in 2016. So my question for you gentlemen is, all of you have served on a board at some point in time. What do you see as the importance of having women as a part of boards? In the second half of that question, what is your advice to women who want to be a board member? I think that the first question is what do I or what have I experienced in terms of the value, my word, um, of having women on a board. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that um, for myself, well, hopefully for most, I can't say everyone, but hopefully for most, if you've experienced anything with a group of diverse people, um, there's such a richness and such a depth to those kind of interactions and conversations. And I think that um, the most important aspect that I've tried to both embrace and then be very aware of is just trying to understand if I am on a board or if I am um, in a conversation with a group of leaders, really, in a sense, sometimes spending time listening for what's not being said, listening for what isn't being discussed and or represented in the conversation, and then challenging real time with the group of people, um, if anyone else has that kind of awareness or if anyone is sensing that within that moment, whatever that board's objective is, if we're missing something. And, and so that, that would be part one in terms of the value is just, again, embracing the depth and then being critical and responsible to listen for what's not being represented or talked about in that moment. Um, I think the second part of the question was... Mm -hmm. What's your advice to women who would like to be a board member? Um, I think... When I think about influence, and I think about a little bit of the political um, influence of Mars, or whatever the exact title was at this breakout, um, I could speak both from what I've observed, what I've learned, and what I've experienced. I think that it comes down to a simple perspective for me is try to identify who we believe and or who is the person and or group of people making decisions. And really being intentional about connecting with the individual or those individuals and in a sense spending time interacting with that person or those people really trying to get some level of clarity around what is the objective and or what is the direction of the board and then taking the time quite frankly to advocate for yourself in some area to talk about your experience your passion how you connect with it and how you believe you can add value to the end objective 
Um, so when we mention board or boards, um, can, does anyone know the importance of a board for an organization? Can anyone talk, speak, speak on that for us? Yeah, so a board is like the nucleus of an organization. It sets the direction of where the organization is going, right? The decisions on, on Q1, so the first quarter, second quarter, first year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, sixth year down the road, those, those decisions are, are pulled together um, and enacted through the board, right? Um, so the importance of having women leadership on that board is because now you have a voice, right, that's impacting the future growth of an organization. So the importance is if you're not involved in those, that conversation, then your voice or your opinion may not, may not um, manifest itself in the future. Does, it, does that make sense, what I'm mm -hmm. trying to express? I mean, um, if you think about Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, major, major, major corporations, the decisions we're seeing today, like General Motors, the decisions we're seeing today, what we're seeing publicly today, happened years ago in a boardroom, right? So the importance of being part of that discussion um, is, is, is for the future of, of, of how you want to see women in inclusion going forward. So for me, I try to encourage um, individuals, um, you know, some are very shy, but they're very, very smart to break out of that comfort zone because that comfort zone is limiting your not, only, not only your future growth, but that girl that's graduating college, right, that has that same kind of vision as you have, right? So I, I try to encourage folks who have the ability, the mental processes that are extremely smart and bright to get involved, because if you're not involved, most of these folks aren't, aren't being exposed to your, your rationale or your thought process. And the board sets the direction in the future of an organization. You're listening to Organizational Politics from Mars. Developing power and influence from a man's perspective. A professional development seminar. Featuring Regina Evans, Jim Campione, David Jones, and Alcus Smith. Brought to you by the Women of Color STEM Conference. Uniting women in STEM by continuing the press for progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have subcommittees, but the, but the board makes the final decision, mm -hmm. right? So that's hopefully you're understanding uh, the importance of what I'm trying to say of, of why inclusion uh, from a diversity perspective and a woman's perspective is so important um, to be uh, on a board. Okay. And just, to, just to really add on uh, to what they were saying, and I look at the men in the room, the, that women have a unique way of thinking, you know, and having women on your board uh, could serve as that unique piece that's in the room that may be overlooked sometimes. Uh, because as men, you know, we can get tunnel vision and just focus in on something where a woman may look at the broader picture. And so I believe that that is very important, you know, to look at it from that angle. In addition to when a woman is on the board, just really, as they were stating, tapping into those resources that's on the board, and then just learning each role that the board is doing. So when you do become a part of that board, you'll already know what's going on, and you'll fit right in. Excellent, gentlemen. I appreciate the, the comments that you all have made. They're very um, enlightening, um, to say the least, and it's very important that we um, kind of take ownership of you know, what value we can bring to a board in terms of our thoughts and our ideas. And so we appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us on that topic today. Um, as I go into the next piece, I want to share with you again another food for thought. In January of 2018, Carrie Funk and Kim Parker wrote an article for the Peer Research Center called the called Women and Men in STEM Often at Odds Over Workplace Equity. In the article, they point out that blacks and Hispanics are underrepresented in science, technology, engineering, and math jobs relative to their presence in the overall US workforce, particularly among workers with a bachelor's degree or higher. In the article, it points out that a majority of Americans view racial and ethnic diversity in the workplace as important, okay, so we say it's important, and yet most blacks in STEM positions consider 
the major underlying reasons for the underrepresentation of blacks and Hispanics in science, technology, engineering, and math occupations to be limited access to quality education, discrimination in recruitment and promotions, and a lack of encouragement to pursue their jobs, these jobs um, from an early age. So with that piece of information, I'd like to ask our panelists the next couple of questions. It is, what are your thoughts on how we can have a better impact on our communities in helping to increase the STEM workforce um, pipeline to improve the opportunities for the generations that's going to come behind us? And what are some suggestions you have for how we can train our young people to not buy into stereotypes and biases? So the first part of that question, of course, is how can we increase the pipeline? So I believe that we have to get something into our curriculum um, that would eventually get into our school systems to teach our children at an early age. Um, we know the more exposure that is given unto them, the better they are to receive that as they continue to grow and get older. So that's the first piece of it. Uh, the second piece in regards to the training aspect of it, I believe we just have to continue to get more examples out before them, bring them to events like this. Um, if you are in a position of influence, tap into that young person. And then also we know we have social media right at our fingertips. And so it's ways about going to create pages, uh, get them to invite or, or like the page itself. Mm -hmm. But I just think it's so many opportunities that we have to get this message of STEM out before our generation. So I, I'm gonna kind of build on that exact same concept. I think the the thought process that I've, or the, the experience that I've had, I guess, with regards to how do you introduce this and empower this at a very young age? I think for me, one of the great opportunities is taking what we know and, and what exists today within our communities, whether that be from a faith-based perspective and or from an athletic perspective or whatever point of interest there are today that we know are already completely integrated into our communities within young people. And I think that having a platform and an opportunity from an older person's uh, advantage point and or someone in a position to be able to try and connect those dots. Um, I think that when I think back to some of the influences and some of the things that uh, I experienced as a young person, as a father now, one of the things that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to recognize where to bring some of these things together. So if there's an importance that's placed upon, again, whether it's a faith-based perspective, if there's an importance placed upon an athletic perspective, how are we merging these worlds and the value of them together to create really a mindset and an environment where they become interdependent mm -hmm. instead of independent? Um, and, and so that's that to me is kind of the, the first thought of take what's already interesting and already what's on the front end of what young kids want to do and create a compound sentence before they even realize what we're doing. I completely agree um, with, the, with these two gentlemen. Um, it's mostly about exposure um, and relating to the, the younger generation at their level. A lot of times we try to speak at them at our level. Um, so we have to reach them at their level and what they're already doing, what they're already interacting with. This thing called FinTech, it's a, it's a technology, the revolution is coming, right? Um, how you process payments now, how you interact with individuals. Um, most, you know, in the old days, you'll send a, you'll send like a love letter in, in school to someone writing it down. Do you like me, yes or no? Now it's like a text message and you're liking a picture of me. It's com the, things are changing and how you interact, how you connect with these individuals, it's changing. So um, from our perspective, from our from our viewpoint, we have to relate to them um, at their viewpoint. And by doing so, um, now once we're there at their level, then we can start impacting their thought process at that level and then exposing them to um, a more efficient, more brighter future for them individually. Most younger, especially black children, they want to make enough money to pay their bills. You know, most people live in paycheck to next paycheck or on a third paycheck. Um, they just want to make money, right? And mostly, most kids from our community, you know, force is introduced as their gateway, as their way out. But if you can expose them to other successful individuals, I mean, in, in STEM, a lot of successful 
um, executives, uh, vice presidents, they, you guys are in your own little silos, in your own little bubbles, right? I'm trying to bring you out of those bubbles and expose you to, um, expose these kids to your life. Um, most people don't like talking about their money or their income, but explain it to someone, look, I'm making $30,000 a month, right? Um, or just, just exposing them to a brighter, a brighter future, more efficient future for them. But we have to do it at their level um, instead of speaking at them um, at our level. So all of you, um, I know a couple of you said you volunteer and you're in the community. Um, is there any advice you want to give to us as far as, even though we're all busy people and everything like that, we really need to find that opportunity to give back. Any suggestions on how we can kind of go into the schools or go into a community situation where we can help expose these kids to STEM on an individual basis where it's, you know, it's just easy for us to get it into our schedules maybe once a month, once a week, once a year, whatever. But any thoughts on how we could probably incorporate some of this STEM education to our early our kids early on? Yeah, I think the one piece of advice that, I, that I'm currently living in right now that maybe to consider is look at what you're involved in today and then just ask yourself how actively or intentionally are you at trying to bridge that gap. And so, for example, this entire weekend in my personal life is filled with sports. And my kids know where I'm at this morning. And so creating that dialogue around what I'm doing and what I'm involved in and how that matters and how this activity leads to this activity leads to a new lacrosse stick or a new pair of soccer shoes or whichever matters to them, <laughs> right, to David's point around getting to their level. Um, Listen, as an, as an adult leader, I'm challenged sometimes by even recognizing the gap. So I can't imagine what it's like for my 16 and 9-year-old. And so I think the, the piece of advice and or something to consider would be just that. You know, challenge yourself in terms of how you're creating connectivity through conversation with those that maybe today you compartmentalize into separate groups. The more we bring the groups together in our own personal life and authentic and genuine as it is, I think that's where the power and influence starts to begin. So the other part of that question that I've asked is, was how can we train um, our young people to not buy into the stereotypes and the biases that they see in the media and other um, venues that are affecting their minds and just negativity on a daily basis? Hmm. Any thoughts on how we can kind of help them overcome those stereotypes and biases that they feel? I'm going to kind of rewind a little bit more on why is, I think we all have a, an obligation from our past to do something for our future, if you follow what I'm trying to say. And there's like, there's over 8,000 hours in a year, um, 8,760 hours in a year. There's, if you can build 10% of your day, 5% of your year, and allocate that 5% to going into a school or doing some kind of community service and exposing yourself to these individuals um, that is going to change the future of these individuals dramatically. There is time. And people say we're busy. You're not that busy. Um, so we have to understand where we came from and where we're trying to go. And if we do not reach back and uplift the present, then the future is going to be completely different than what we want it to be. So I think we have an obligation to do so. So, so for me, it's a, it's a more of a passion behind that and, and that's why it's important um, so that's if we don't solve that that perspective then you can build a plan and you know go into go into the general assembly and say hey we need this kind of money for this kind of you know X Y and Z but if the people who are already doing it aren't, aren't, aren't passionately about the future of their industry and their career and the future of the people who look just like them then it will all be, for me, from my perspective, and I'm not always correct. I understand that, even though I argue that I am. Um, <laughs> hopefully you guys are, trying, are, are following what I'm trying to express. Just, just, just adding on to that as well, also look at it and say, all of us are in a position to make a difference. 
with all of the stuff that is happening in this world, with all of the negativity that's going on, I always take on the mindset, I don't want to be a part of that. So I have to shift my way of thinking. I have to be able to sow back into somebody else so they can start transforming their thinking to be exactly that. Because we can easily criticize, we can talk about, but what are we really doing about it at the end of the day? So using your position to really tap into somebody else and influence, we all should be doing that. Because once again, it's easy to complain, but what are we really doing about it at the end of the day? So be a voice and just be that change that you want to see. So as we move into getting, asking some questions and, and answer session, I have one more question for you before we get to that piece. Is there any advice you would give our audience to help inspire more male advocates to help accelerate change and move things forward? Future is diversity. We all, there's plenty of studies, plenty of research, plenty of quantifiable, quantifiable examples of how important diversity is and the future um, impact of growth on diversity. Um, so if, if you're talking to a numbers guy or the chairman of a board or the CFO, just talk to them in, in, a, in a number sense. You know, growth is in diversity, right? And the more diverse your organization is, the more growth um, your organization will have. If you revert back to the old ways where you have a 16-person um, board and it's all male, all white male, et cetera, um, you're going to be stuck in that, in that time period versus the future. So what I talk to folks is more about the future, more about growth, and what type of what type of growth do you want to have in the future? Do you want to have a 4% return on equity or earnings? Okay, great. Or do you want to be in the future at 12, 15, 16, 23%? I think my advice would be um, the first opportunity is to, to really look at and or look around and find who you believe is probably one of the more influential males in a position of influence that might be in your inner circle. And then I think the next piece of advice would be once you identify that person, get curious and challenge that person in terms of what they're doing. I think that to me is the first actionable um, step that could be taken in terms of influence and or impact mm -hmm. in terms of getting more allies and advocates into the room that if you perceive and or you feel as though someone is ask them challenge them put some more on their plate bring them with you just to pretty much add on to that stop blending in because a lot of times we can blend in and not really want to be that voice in the room. You can be that difference maker. But obviously you have to believe in yourself. Because once again, as I stated earlier, it's easy to get intimidated by what you see. But you know who you are. And so you have to take on the mindset and say, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going I'm to observe. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do everything that I can. But when I get the opportunity, I am going to make a difference. And so we just have to continue to just understand a lot of people may try to shift our mindset, but at the end of the day, you're in control of that. Nobody else is. Amen. So. All right. Well, that was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So now it's our time. If you have a question, I ask that you would please move to the mic so that we all can hear you in the room. And I would love to hear from some voices. Let your voice be heard. Uh-oh. <laughs> they thick skin, ladies. They can take whatever it is. Hi, I'm Charmaine Thomas from Aerotech. Um, Jim's part of our family, and we adore him. Um, question, what do you think is our own hang-up? as women. Coming from the outside, I know you said stop leaning in, I know you said that, but as a man, what do you think we need to truly just stop hanging up on with each other and with you? Um, Thank you. Permission? Um, 
Thanks, Shark. <laughs> that was not pre-planned, by the way. <laughs> I would challenge that. <laughs> I, I just want to add, add on to that just really quick. Um, another one is fear. Because once again, we can become our own worst enemies. And just knowing once again how valuable you are. Should nobody have to confirm that for you? You should already know your worth. You should already know that you're valuable and what you can bring to the table. And by having that mindset, you'll overcome that fear piece of it. You just have to, once again, take that leap of faith and get out of there. Yeah. Stop waiting for outside approval like you. It's, it's really, we always care what someone else thinks about us, how we look, how we dress, color of our hair, color of our shoes. People are always going to have their opinion, right? I mean, uh, once you overcome that you don't, I mean, you, you should respect other people's opinion. But once you just get over that, if I say something, someone's going to have this opinion of me, they're going to have that opinion of you no matter what, right? Um, so find confidence in yourself and, and speak up, because if you don't speak up, it's never said. That's easier said than done, right? Um, but, you know, fear, confidence, speak up. Definitely echo those uh, those sentiments. And don't people are always going to have an opinion, right? They're always going to have an opinion. If they didn't like you before, or if you thought they didn't like you before, it's not going to change, right? It's not going to change. Even if you give them a thousand dollars, I didn't like the way she handed me that thousand dollars. Right? She threw it at me. She put it in an envelope, but I wanted an Apple Pay, right? They're always going to have an opinion. My name is Marie High from DC Energy. Um, some of the things we talked about today were some of the obvious things that we can see with organizational uh, politics. Um, either we see them happening in the room or things that we don't see happening in the room that should. But then there's the hidden organizational politics. What advice would you give to us to infiltrate the hidden organizational politics, uh, navigate through that as well, and how to do so boldly? Before I mention getting involved on committees and other organizations, this is my perspective and what I do. So I, I realized that um, when I was competing for big business, big dollar ticket um, uh, business, uh, a lot of those activities were already uh, what was, was surrounded by um, board positions, board relationships. So what I started doing was volunteering on committee levels. So I kind of backed myself in the back door, right? Um, and by doing so, now, um, I'm on a committee, and it's a development committee, and I, I put some kind of process or some thought on the table, and then the chairman of that committee is on the board, and they're like, that makes a lot of sense. Right? Maybe David should be speaking a little bit more right, for this organization. So since, since sometimes you can't go through the back door, there's windows, right? there's, <laughs> there's little vents. You know, you got to find a way. Like what did MLK say? You know, walk, crawl. Like, there has to be a way. Um, and there's no perfect answer, so you have to find a way to get around, you know, those closed-door meetings and, 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 and impact certain people's thoughts from that perspective. And just adding on really quick, just partnering and networking is very critical as well because, once again, to the powers to be, you know, as long as you continue to just step out and say, you know what, I want this, I claim this, I know I'm going to get this, you just once again have to be able to find those individuals in the room and start building those relationships. But you have to get out your comfort zone, though, because that will hold us back every single time because it's the unknown. We don't know how they're going to respond. We don't know what they're going to say to us. But you won't know until you try. And that's where we have to get to the point to. Good morning. I'm Javon Roberts, and I'm at Ford Motor Company. Um, I have a, my question is around a personal experience. Sometimes I chuckle at it. Um, I have a senior manager that I worked for, for in a limited, uh, during a limited time. And I was also seeking opportunity. And a lot of times he would tell me, well, 
you know, the traditional thing we always hear. I need, you know, I'm looking for somebody who has experience in this area and this area. So he wasn't saying no to me, but he wasn't saying yes to me. Um, I was still able to become a part of his organization and, and make some impact. Every now and then I'll see him and he is so surprised when he sees me. He go, you know, he even had the expression, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he, um, he says it out of bewilderment. Sometimes I, I want to just say, to, I want to pull, pull him aside or schedule some time with him to let him know the things, the contributions that I have made. And then other times, you know, there's this part of me, well, he's not going to be my advocate or ally, so why waste my time? Yet, I just received another position, and I know I'm going to run back into him again. <laughs> so I keep hearing you guys say to me, you know, challenge him. But then there's this part of me, why challenge somebody who's not going to be for me? So what advice would you give? Um, so this may not be the right answer, right? Um, so the current president of, of America, there, there's a part of a country who doesn't like him and part that does, but he has a consistent message that he's saying to everybody. He doesn't care who hears it, right? He's saying it though, right? So it's a more of a, if you think about yourself as a business, you're just marketing yourself. And if they, if they receive that marketing, good for, good for you. If they don't, good for you. Because you're still moving up in your career. So just keep, if you do see him again, just, just, just tell him what you've done. You know, tell him what you're a part of, how you got to where you are. And if he receives that, you're just marketing yourself. Then may, maybe one day it'll click, maybe one day it won't. Mm -hmm. You're still going to keep progressing. I think it's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> uh, you know, you said, um, <laughs> I think the question was, what should you do or what should yeah. you consider doing? Right. Um, I'll share a thought bubble. One thing I would consider not doing if it were me is walking up and either tripping or pushing the person. Um, right. Avoid the impulse. That, but, um, I, I think. Maybe the question you can start with is what is what is it you're hoping to achieve? Mm -hmm. And then if if you believe that the value of that answer is greater than yourself or that individual, then maybe it's worth the energy. Okay. Um, if the answer to that question for you is all about you and you feel as though it's what you need. Um, then I think the opportunity to, to David's point is let it go, mm -hmm. put down the backpack. But again, I think there's a, I think there is value to the question, and I think that the answer where in the answer lies where you can spend your time and energy. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. I, I just want to add on to that, if I may, as well. I, I struggle with the political answers that are uh, normally given in our corporations. I really struggle with that piece. But I know they have to work around that in order to not be taken to compliance and things of that nature as well. But I would also say there's a way of challenging an individual, because I'm one where I like to ask questions. So let me flip it back around on you and ask you, what do I need to do to be that qualified candidate that you are seeking? And then are you uh, willing to put me in that space? And if they're not, that's fine. But at least he has given you some type of feedback on what he's really looking instead of that political answer and you're not qualified, you know, for whatever reason. You know, I think the fear of my experience up to that point is uh, it's hard to gauge whether or not I really understand if that individual truly has the influence and or the impact that I'm empowering them to have. Yeah. And, and so I think that therein lies the two pieces that keep running through my head with that dynamic in my experience is, is it worth the time because it's going to make it better for people after me? And then is it all about me or is it all about the fact that that person, I'm giving that person way more power and influence than quite frankly they've earned and or they have. I think we have time for one more question. Oh, 
<laughs> this is good, isn't it? This is perfect. Yeah, first of but all. We're going to get one more question, and then, of course, um, our parents will probably hang around for a few minutes, yeah. at least I hope so, and then we can get the additional questions in, you know, offline. Okay. First of all, Going I want to thank you all for your time. You didn't have to do this, and we appreciate, I think I can speak for all the women, we appreciate hearing an, a man's perspective, right, without any ulterior mo motives, et cetera, so I appreciate your time. Uh, my name is Andrea Hodge. I work for J.P. Morgan Chase. I'm an IT architect. My question is, is kind of hard to phrase, but typically the perspective is if a woman uh, kind of emulates um, qualities that you typically see naturally in men, like asking for what you want, asking for the raise promotion without any hindrance, right? When you see women behave that way, sometimes it comes across as, as being aggressive. We're called aggressive, right? And some men don't know how to take that. Me, for one, I'm, I'm assertive, right? I like to say I'm assertive. Um, but I'd like to understand what your interpretation of, um, in terms of the difference between being aggressive and assertive. So a lot of things goes uh, around the perception, right? So uh, coming to workplace, uh, biases and stereotypes, um, as she told, uh, if I pursue something passionately, I'll be termed as aggressive, whereas I have seen my male counterparts being termed as driven. How do we get past this bias? I got a feeling Jim has a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm <laughs> uh, by all means. And, and as it was stated, we don't want anybody to be disheartened by not being able to ask a question. By all means, we'll most definitely hang around as long as you want. I even have some business cards to um, pass out as well. Uh, but I, I really believe that even though you're in a position of leadership, we as men have to do a have to have a better understanding and do better in that space really just understanding that it's not the caveman errors anymore and once we adapt and really start understanding that women are in position then guess what they're here to stay and once we understand and grasp that concept I believe the receiving piece of it will be a little bit more but however you know what you want and there's nothing wrong with being assertive it's nothing wrong with just being passionate about what you believe in Obviously, it just can't come across as being aggressive, exactly. but nonetheless, we know that you know what you want, and we just have to do a better job at interpreting it the right way. Yeah, I don't want to oversimplify what is, quite frankly, an extremely complex conversation I think is across the board um, from the soccer team to the reality of day-to-day -day life. Um, in the moment, the thought that keeps running through my head is it, the question is, if I rephrase it effectively, it's, it's how do we continue to shift the paradigm from being aggressive to um, assertive? The, I guess the first thing that, that I think about is there's this challenge that I learned early on that is really one of my kind of, I'll call it lighthouse or north star that I always try to go back to when I look at a situation. and. It's, I'm constantly challenging myself to try and figure out, am I trying to be right or am I trying to be effective? And I think that, again, although the question itself is a big, complex, fair, empowering conversation that's bigger than this, I think the first starting point for me that maybe I would recommend, and the, the, that's a dynamic conversation, right? It's, a, it's an uncomfortable, my experience is that's a very uncomfortable conversation, whether it's someone having it with me or I'm having it on my own. Um, so first and foremost, I would tell you, if you think other people are comfortable with it, find them and ask them how, because I have yet to meet those people. Um, and then the second piece would just, again, starting with, you know, again, are you approaching the, the conversation with an intent to be right, or are you approaching it with the intent to be effective and, and, and get the outcome you're hoping for? Okay. All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. We want to thank our panelists again. Oh my gosh, it's been awesome. Awesome job. Again, ladies that did not get to ask your question, I'm going to ask the panelists to just kind of meet you outside so that they can clear the room for the next um, 
class. So thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of this. Thank you for listening to Organizational Politics from Mars, Developing Power and Influence from a Man's Perspective, a professional development seminar. Featuring Engineering Program Manager for NetApp, Regina Evans, Jim Campione of Aerotech, Financial Advisor for Edward Jones Investments, David Jones, and Senior Field Leader for Consumers Energy, Alcus Smith. If you've enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Women of Color STEM Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.womenofcolor.net. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.